Say, kids, what time is it? It's kind of like watching TV, but, you know, in your car. Mike the Intern, Jay Stevens. You know what that means. It's time oh. for Dark Side of the Stream, our podcast on 104.7 The Cave. Where Radio we, magic at its finest. Where we take a look at a documentary most of the time, and I think that's kind of what we've been doing. We have never done an actual film, have we? It's just documentaries, right? No, I think we did one once. Like an actual yeah, movie. Yeah, I think movie. it was something. It wasn't my choice. I mean, it was kind of meh. Exactly. It was kind of meh. So we stuck with the documentaries. More thought-provoking, these documentaries. Yeah, yeah, and you learned something, we learned something, and I definitely learned something about something. I didn't know. I I think I had heard about it once. I think, I, I believe you were correct. It was featured on Unsolved Mysteries at one point. I think that's where I heard about um, it. But the documentary we are looking at today is called This is a Robbery, and it involves... The world's largest art heist ever at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. Crazy story. Yeah. Crazy, crazy story. Now, let's start at the beginning with Isabella Stewart Gardner. Now, this chick was awesome. Born in the late 1800s, died in the early 1900s. Kind of a partier wild girl. She was extremely eccentric. She had gobs of money, gobs of money. And when she passed, she left over a $3 million endowment to this museum with, and I think this is the most badass thing about this yeah, whole documentary, just, the will, which states, if you change anything in this place, anything, done, the frames all moved a little bit, you rearrange or whatever, everything must be crated up, sold at auction in Paris, and that's that. So done guess what? Deal. This museum has literally looked the Old same school, as it yeah. did since Old she put school. it together in the early 1900s. Now, that is awesome. Now, again, you think about museums and how now they're a lot more modern. Security is insane. I mean, have you ever been to like the Art Institute of Chicago before? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, first of all, it's badass. I mean, you got Monet's in there. You've got, I mean, I've seen some art museums in Chicago. If there if there is a reason to go to Chicago besides the food or to see a concert, museums are the reason. Natural History Museum is badass. Art Institute's badass. But the point I'm trying to make is security at these things are insane. You can't even walk in the wrong direction without someone jumping out and saying, hold off. Really? Oh, dude, it's crazy. You can't walk up and finger a painting? No, man, don't even think about breathing on the glass. They will jump down your throat so quick. So the reason I bring this up, and the first thing we're going to talk about this documentary is security or lack thereof at a building that contained millions of dollars worth of artifacts. The only... Rembrandt, Skiscape, every painted, just the Manets, the, the list goes on and on. We could dive into that, but really- So you would, have a, with, you would have a crack security team there. Well, and the crazy thing is, right before this all went down in the late 80s, they had actually had a, I guess, a consultant come in just to check and make sure everything was cool with security. And they said it's on par with other museums, but they recommended improvements and they were kind of hurting money-wise. So also- the other thing they were up against was Mrs. Gardner's wishes that nothing be changed. And if you wanted to put all this new security stuff in there, can't do that. No, and, can't do like, that. Wall glass stuff, ropes. She didn't want that. All you could do is is hire the best security staff you could find. Which is opposite of what they did. They got a guy <laughs> literally showing up to work. Stoned. That guy looked like he worked on the cave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, dude, <laughs> like he looked like a guy that we would hire here before Jay Stevens <laughs> maybe was here run at the, the board, cave, right? He was working a security at an art museum in Boston in the early '90s, and this is all his fault. We'll talk more about it. Dark side of the stream on one hundred four point seven, the cave.
Say, kids, what time is it? It's kind of like watching TV, but, you know, in your car. Jay Stevens, Mike the Intern, back in the studio. It is Dark Side of the Stream, our podcast on 104.7 The Cave. This week, we are looking at the series This is a Robbery involving the art heist at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Let's first talk about Stick Otto. Up. Stick him up. Let's talk about no, so Otto. They, they got the uh, security <laughs> team, the, the night security team. <laughs> and uh, it literally, yeah, it looked like Otto, the bus driver, Sim Simpsons. He plays keyboards in a band on the, on the off nights. As soon, as soon as they go into the security guy and he's got like duct tape all around his oh, face. Oh, I felt so bad. Stuff. He's got duct tape around his hair when Dude, they found him. I oh felt he had long curly yeah, hair. No, I was like, that could have been man. me. It could have been me. It could have been you. It was you. This guy is taking acid, yeah. smoking weed before he goes. He plays dude, plays keyboards in like a hippie cover band. And then thing. he goes to work the, on the night shift at the museum. And dude, if you got to hang out in a weird, creepy museum all night, you probably should take acid and just enjoy the ride. What a hell of a job. I cannot believe this guy got a gig. So yeah, security was lax. What went down is two guys dressed as police officers walked in, taped this guy up. They actually had a witness that saw him, two witnesses that were partying and saw these guys sitting in the car before they went out. They knew enough about the area to know where the security cameras were, to take the, this stuff. The other part of the problem with the crime scene was that uh, the ball of tape that was used to tape up the guard went missing, and that was probably their best shot at getting fingerprints. All the the people walking in and out. I mean, they explained how at the time when you go into a crime scene, there are people in and out all day. Now it's different. There's right. a guy that or a girl that sits at the front. Well, and says, What's your name when you come in? They knew they knew the procedure. They did. They, and these two guys dressed as policemen showed up at the door and they said, "Hey, uh, let us in. We're cops, basically." And Otto said, "Come on in." Let them in. <laughs> He had also done something weird, which I'd never been explained, which was to open the door and close it. Now, that doesn't make any sense because you've got cameras on the door. Why would you open that door? Unless to just take a couple puffs. I don't know. I don't right. understand why he's doing it other than to signal and they're not someone supposed to, the, something The protocol is you're not supposed to buzz anybody in. But he's no. like, but uh, he, I guess they say that they would do that all the time. Yeah, they buzz people, people in and no big deal. So they buzz in the cops and then the cops come in and say, hey, yeah, we're, uh, we heard a disturbance over here. And then they go, oh, by the way, this, this is, is a robbery. robbery. Stick them up. They spend 81 minutes in the museum. That's a long time to be robbing a place. Very long time. And we'll get to something that I thought was really interesting about that later on. They went through and stole some very expensive paintings, but they also touched ones that weren't worth worth a whole lot. They cut out certain ones. They yeah, actually they cut took them. they took a lot of time on other things that really didn't it matter. Was very, very weird. strange and very specific. And yeah. that that's weird. It was either the, as if they knew what they were doing, they were told what to take, or they had really no clue and they were just kind of going around, going, "Oh yeah, this is this is worth something." Well, we if you're taking a this. nice art painting, you think you're going to take the whole painting. You're not going to cut it. Cut the the canvas. Yeah. Like weird, random. So they get into a lot of theories about where these paintings are, who took them, and we'll get into those theories next. Dark Side of the Stream on 104.7 The Cave. Hey, kids, what time is it? It's kind of like watching TV, but you know, in your car. We believe. Mike the intern, Jay Stevens, back in the studio this morning. It's Dark Side of the Stream. Discussing this is a robbery about the world's largest art heist at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Like, what'd they say, half a billion dollars in art that was taken? Something like that. I mean, a ton, ton. Actually, right now, they started the reward at like a million. 
like Christie's and uh, Sotheby's, the auction houses put up a million for it. Then around mid nineties, and when it started to gain traction again, um, they opted to five million. The current reward offering for these paintings to be recovered, ten million dollars. So if you're listening and you have any of these paintings. Holler, holler at your boys, and we'll we'll be the middleman on the transaction. Yeah, we'll take a small five percent of that small, two million. Small finder's fee all day. So the, it gets it gets painted pretty quickly. That the FBI, I mean, they painted. Did a, they, ah, they, no they, pun intended. They did a good job at the get go, but it was quickly figured out that they really didn't care a whole lot because around this time in the nineties, in the early nineties, the only thing that mattered to the federal bureau investigation was mafia and mob guys. That's all they wanted to do. Art heist didn't get you a promotion. Art heist didn't get you in the news. You bust a guy who's in the mafia. Boom. You're all over the place. So get go. It was like, I mean, they did, they did their due diligence, but again, you had the witnesses coming back saying I was never contacted by the FBI. Right, right. The, the sketches were kind of lower, lower priority. Yeah. But so you got art heist in Boston and you go, okay, there's a famous art heister here in Boston. Let's go shake him down. You would think that's the, that's guy. the guy. That's the guy. He was in jail. He was in he jail. Was in jail. However, he was also another guy connected. that was in a band part time as yeah, well. Yeah, he was also in a band. Got a lot he, of rockers he, in this. He has a 45 out if you can find it, and you know it is what it is. But um, he, his buddy, who was also had mob connections, was also in communicate with this guy. And we'll get to that. The it kind of comes back around. The water to him. gets muddy. It kind of comes back around to him. Now there's two thought schools of thought here. Well, actually, more than that. One, it was somebody that specifically wanted something. They hired a team. They went in there, got it done. The second thought was that the Irish mob had something to do with this to use those paintings as collateral to get guns to the IRA, which was heavily involved in Boston and also in Ireland at the time. I don't really buy that one. The second one is the Italian mob thing. Also used to move around, get money, because it's global currency all day. Um, And also used to get out of jail. But they start focusing on this uh, this auto body shop south of Boston called I would think it was IRC or something like Another that. Another shady TRC. group of characters. They basically said that this was a place TRC Auto Electric that if you wanted something you went to TRC Auto Electric and they got it for you. It didn't matter if it was cocaine or the Sea of Galilee painting. They think that a crew of these guys went after went were hired by someone in the mob. And they think they know who it was. They were doers. Got it. Now, they followed the guy who supposedly was the brainiac of this thing. Right after this happened, shot dead, mafia hit. They can't find the paintings, right? They find him in his car, gone. Then they start trailing this down, and they find these two guys that they think involved. That one dude that had served time for a murder he supposedly didn't commit. As soon as I saw his face, I was like, there's one of your sketches. (laughs) I know, man. He looks like the guy on the sketch. He looks like the guy on the... all day. Yeah. All day. Yeah. Now... Another guy who was involved with back to the rock and roll guy was sent to do a favor. He had a trailer somewhere and he went to go do something for him. He got in his trailer and supposedly years later contacted a reporter for the Boston Globe and said, I have access to this stuff. The guy at the Boston Globe claims to have seen the Sea of Galilee wrapped up in a tube, which again is so stupid that paint's going to crack. Yeah, it's very, sick. very is that, random. Is that box acid free? And if it's not, it's just getting eaten away. It's been 30 years now, 40 years now. So it's... it's A true mystery. It's a true mystery. They still don't really know. They tried to work out a deal <laughs> with these two guys who claimed to have the painting. FBI finally said, we're not going to be extorted by these guys because this feels like yeah, extortion. Yeah. They want prize money. They want immunity. 
but we're not going to give it to him. Which, and then one of the guys ends up getting killed or something like that too, and they can't. The trails just keep getting it's shut very, down. Yeah, very uh, wacky scene, man. When they went after one of the the guy we mentioned, uh, the that we think it looks like the dude in the sketch, which I really think that was one of them. They went to his sister in law, her former sister in law, and she was awesome, dude. Oh my she God. was a trip because she started talking about how she went to hang up. She photo. was a true Boston old true school lady. Boston. Straight out of the gate, she's like, he has us come over, hang up this frame, and to even it out, and she kept calling it a foo-foo frame. What do you got a foo-foo frame for? I'm like, what's a foo-foo frame? But anyway, she helps him hang it. Years later, someone from the Gardner Museum calls her, and it's like, hey, we think there might be a similarity between your brother-in-law or former brother-in-law and this thing. And she's like, he couldn't do anything. He was slow at everything in life. And they go, well, the hit took about 81 minutes, and she goes, that could have been him. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go also something that not a lot of people knew that happened was that one of the robbers kept going downstairs and making sure that the guard was okay. Do you need anything? Are your arms too tight? You feel okay? And she goes, he had been in prison for something he didn't commit and he knew what it was like to be locked up like this. And she felt like that Man. was another red herring that he would do something like that. Cause that was the type of guy he was crazy. So yeah, it's it's really crazy uh, story, uh, and to this day, those things Let's, are. We'll M-I-A. get to the exciting conclusion next. Yes, we'll talk more about the robbery situation next. Dark side of the stream on one hundred four point seven, the cave. Say, kids, what time is it? It's kind of like watching TV, but you know, in your car. Mike, the intern, Jay Stevens, back in the studio, trying to figure out where in the hell these paintings are, Who's so we got can get the art? our. $10 million. It's, got the art. it's dark side of the stream discussing this is a robbery, and that's really how the whole documentary ends. Yeah, it leaves you hanging. It's one of those documentaries. There is no resolve. There is no twist. It's just, hey. Have you seen these paintings? They show the paintings, <laughs> and they're asking for your help. Now, the one thing I think is is weird or random is paintings are rare, right? They're Pretty much people know this painting by this guy. How you how you gonna steal a painting? How are you gonna sell it? You know, it's like well, and that's you can't a, just like show up to the next art dealer place and go, "Hey, I found this in the garage." They're like, "No, we know that's stolen." One of the theories was that the guy who ended up getting popped like a couple months after this thing went down, who they think probably spearheaded this thing, he wanted to use that as collateral to get his buddy out of jail. Right, right. But then. Obviously, he got killed before that. He wasn't going to do anything right after this happened. He needed to sit on it, wait till the reward money comes ah, out. It and just get, seems like a hey, weird thing to I steal, got? man. It yeah. seems like a weird thing to steal. Get my guy. Well, yeah, but I mean, crime sometimes doesn't make any sense, Jay. And it goes back to the whole thing, in, in my opinion, of, of art is so subjective. Oh, what's worth you yeah. to you? Yeah, you tell me yeah. this painting is worth $10 million? For what? For what? There's no. I don't see the value. Well, I don't see if the value. you look at it from the perspective of a collector, which I am a collector, obviously with records, there are certain things about recordings that exist. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, real long sought after one, John Lee Hooker's "It Served You Right to Suffer." The crazy thing about that record is it was recorded for a jazz label by a producer who'd never worked on it with a blues musician more, with John Lee Hooker and a bunch of jazz studio musicians. It's a phenomenal record, recorded as. Literally the best possible way. You, you, if you got a good audio file quality record of this, you can hear John Lee Hooker breathing in your room. If I had a copy now, of it, I would leave it in here. I'd give it to you. Exactly. See, and zero that's, value. That is my zero point. value to me. I know what that's value to me. But and to what's you, the value to you? Well, I think I paid like sixty bucks for it. See, and I would, I would be See? like, get this out of here. But it's again, garbage, that's subjective. You know? 
to, to sell your point home. It's so just very weird. It like is. The whole art thing. And, and if you watch some of those general. Banksy documentaries, it kind of like questions the whole, what well, is art? what happened with NFTs. Yeah. You right. got people paying hundreds of thousands of dollars yes. for a video clip. Basically a TikTok video. Literally, I can I can copy it off of YouTube. See, and that's the thing. Uh, it, it Now at this point when collecting, it it's, yeah, there are certain things that I want that are specific variants, whatever. But the media is all that matters to me on vinyl. And at the audio file, qual- if the quality's there, I want it on vinyl because I know it's good. So that's the point about the NFT things I don't get. It's like, well, I could still get that video on YouTube and have it. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense. But again, it is subjective, and that's the deal. And uh, hopefully, someday they get these back, especially from the perspective of an art lover, which I am. The Sea of Galilee is Rembrandt's only seascape painting. It's an incredible painting. To get that back would be great. To see it again would be great. Watch the documentary because it's interesting, and watch and see who you think did it because there's a lot of cast characters in this caper. That was the only downside mm. about it that I like. I thought they got so into the details. I fell asleep one night trying to finish it. So yeah, it's got, a little it bit gets, deep. It's a little it deep. It gets a little, little, little classroomy. Deep. So our rating system this week is foo-foo frames. How many foo-foo how, frames? How many foo-foo frames would you uh, give I this? give it two foo-foo frames. Out of five? And, yeah, it was okay, yeah, I'd say two. I'd say two and a half to three it was, you know, frames. It was good because it was interesting and it was mysterious, but... Didn't really have any twist. It didn't no. really go anywhere. It didn't have any resolve. It's kind of like reading just, a police report. It's just an interesting story, right? It was. Yeah. It was. I, four four episodes is a little bit long, yeah. and they they definitely milked it out. Uh, They've but been the, doing that lately. They have been doing that. But Netflix we're not, uh, producers, if you're listening, make them on. one episode shorter. Which is what we're going to do for next week. White boy documentary about white, white boy, boy Rick. Rick. White boy Rick. The young the young drug dealer. The young young teenage <laughs> drug dealer. Young. Drug yeah, dealer. Baller. Like, I don't know, I wouldn't call it baller, but I definitely call it an entrepreneur. If yeah, you yeah, will. yeah. Uh, Dark Side of the Stream. Remember, you can download these as a podcast on our 104.7 The Cave app. Like, subscribe, and share to your friends. Again, it's Dark Side of the Stream on 104.7 The Cave.